the third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! As the Orange do it again, the cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. As always, we are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. Two guests lined up for you today, one each hour. Coming up at 1230, just about a half hour from now, longtime baseball writer Matt Michael will join us on the program. He's the co-host of Yankees on Deck with Seth. Plenty to talk about in terms of the Yankees today, moving on to the ALCS, and then at one thirty, uh, Chris Gedney joins us as he does uh, as he does rather uh, at one thirty every Thursday. We'll talk SU football in the second hour. Clemson coming to town tomorrow, and so Seth, yesterday on the show, we laid it out. We said Yankees need to score first. They need to get a few solid innings out of CC Sabathia. Turn it over to the bullpen. And then hope you can hang on. And That's what exactly happened, what they did. That is exactly what happened. Didi gives them the early lead with a couple of home runs off of Kluber. CC was great for the first three innings. Ran into a little trouble in the fifth. Gets pulled. David Robertson, probably the out of the series. Two outs the of the series. Play. The double plays. Didi turns it. Gets him out of a jam. They turn it over to the bullpen from there uh, with the lead, and then uh, the bullpen was lights out again. Roldis Chapman uh, comes in for the for the final two innings, closes it out, and the Yankees are moving on to the ALCS, and they did what not many people gave them a chance to do, and that's win three in a row against the best team in the American League. They had to win Game 5 on the road against the best pitcher in the American League. They got to Kluber twice, which none of us expected, uh, but D.D. Gregorius again, the early offense and the bullpen was terrific again. The Indians were 35-4 and to finish the season. They were 35-4 and to finish the season, and the Yankees just took three straight. Uh, that is remarkable. That, that it really is. Um, you know, and and as we kind of laid out yesterday, CC had to do enough, right? And and I know I said this on the Yankees uh, Yankees on deck show last night. I, I can't remember if I said it during the afternoon, uh, but there's no way you were going to let CC get through the order a third time, right? Like you were not going to let that team face him a third time. And then especially given he had allowed four hits in a row, like it was the perfect time to pull him. And you know, David Robertson turned in another stellar outing, and uh, you know can't knock what Chapman did either. He went two innings and had another stellar outing. Um, I I know I said on the show yesterday I will pick the Yankees and not feel good about it. I did not feel good about it until Brett Gardner hit the single. And then I was like, all right, well, Chapman's been sitting on the bench for half an hour now. And then I was like, oh, I don't feel so good anymore. It's funny so, you should say that because... It, y- so it really went down to the end for me. I didn't feel good until the very end. You do wonder if Gardner doesn't get that hit if the game plays itself out differently. Because oh, to your so. point, Chapman's on the bench for 25 minutes, whatever it was, in the dugout, waiting, waiting, waiting. And if the Yankees did not score, now he goes back out there. He's obviously cold. It took him a batter or two to get his he control. Walked the walks first the guy. first guy. And then that changes Cleveland's strategy a little bit yeah. if you're down one opposed to being down three. So- Steve, it's easy to steal. It, it is easy to run on Araldis Chapman. We've seen that all season. That leadoff guy gets on, maybe you pinch run, maybe you run if you're only down one. 
You get him to second with nobody out. Bunt him it's over, acceptable, sack fly, It's acceptable game. to bunt yep. when there's nobody out and a, and a man on second. Only situation I will ever bunt in. Sure. Man on second, nobody out. Uh, and then all of a sudden that game is tied. And, and Araldis Chapman all of a sudden is, is, is reliving nightmares from Game 7 last year when he lets up the home run to Rajay Davis in that very stadium. So I, I think that that hit and that at-bat and Todd Frazier's at-bat right before it that is getting lost in this whole thing, uh, were incredibly important and incredibly big. And you could just say, oh, it's tack on runs, it's whatever. Um, it's insurance. Like, why do you get insurance? You get insurance so that you don't have to ever use it. And, like, that's what the Yankees did. They got the insurance. They didn't have to use it. And, and I think they, they did use it in a way because, again, the, the strategy changes for the Indians. I mean, oh, that, sure. that run, well, the two runs, but, but just tacking on one more to make it more than just a one-run game – it, it made a world of difference going into the ninth inning. And now, again, you've deflated the crowd. You've deflated the Indians. Chapman goes out there. He knows that there is a little margin for error if he ends up walking a guy. All right, no big deal. Uh, you know, I just get the next guy out. Whereas, again, if it's a one-run game and you There's walk no the margin. leadoff batter, there is no margin for error. Now, all of a sudden, the winning run is at the plate. You make a mistake. Your season may be over. And that was not the case for a role as Chapman uh, going into the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, so many big performances across the board over the course of these three games for the Yankees to, to pull this thing off. With that being said, for me, it's easy who the MVP is so far of the playoffs for the New York Yankees. Is it easy for you? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's got to be D.D. Gregorius. Absolutely has to be D.D. I mean, he's got now three home runs, and they're all just massive home runs. Right. right. He, hit the biggest, he the got biggest, the biggest hit of the season, I think, in that in wild, wild card, card game. No doubt. Uh, you know, given they were down 3-0, given it was at home, and Think about what we were saying yesterday. The Yankees had to jump out to a lead to put pressure on the Indians and the Indians fans because that was the they were the home team. Same thing would have happened to the Yankees in that wild card game. Had they not scored in that inning, then all of a sudden you're getting nervous. Right? Oh man, our ace just went down. And we we were terrible and we couldn't score and our crowds out of it. Well, the same thing happened last night. Wow, our ace just got hit for the second time in a row. I didn't know this was possible. Oh man, it just happened again, right? Didi just did another uh, hit, another home run, and you know I I think that those two hits were just so vitally important. Of course, yeah, it was the three runs. I get that, um, but just the it, it set the tone. It knocked Kluber out of the game. Uh, they got Kluber out fast, um, and, and yeah, you only ended up facing Kluber, Andrew Miller, uh, Brian Shaw, and Cody Allen, the four best pitchers. That, that the Indians have, but you had to do it over prolonged periods, right? Allen had to come in early, and Shaw had to come in early, and Miller had to come in in the fourth inning. Uh, you know, so when when you do it that way, it it, it kind of works. Like I, I think the thing that's most impressive about the, the what the Yankees did is they went CC to Robertson to Chapman with nobody in between, and yeah, Robertson threw two and two thirds innings, and Chapman threw two innings. Uh, but they were able to do it. They they got the job done, and and you know Didi's hits allowed them to do that early. Um, and I, I I keep reminding myself of this, but uh, could you have imagined a a better, smoother transition from a Hall of Fame shortstop and an all time great and the Yankee captain and his numbers retired and 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 everything to the next guy? It, like this is this is just worked out perfectly. It's so hard to be the guy who follows the guy. We know that in really any sport, any profession for that matter. 
And you're right. DD has made it about as a smooth transition as possible. And, you know, what was Derek Jeter known for? Being clutch and coming through with yep. the big hits, especially in the postseason. And DD has done that. He, he has the three biggest hits in this postseason so far for the Yankees. The home run in the wild card against the Twins to pull even at three. And then the, the two homers last night turned out to be the only offense uh, until the ninth inning for the Yankees. And it, and it turned out to be enough. You go back to, to just last week, and now the Yankees have played four elimination games. The wild card game obviously was an elimination game. Then they're down 2-0 to the Indians. They play three in a row against Cleveland. And, and what do we say each and every time? It's so important to score first, to hand it over to your bullpen with the lead, and to let your bullpen do its job. And in those four games, they scored first in three of them. And the one that they didn't was the wild card game against the Twins. Where they got and they blitzed. scored three in the yeah. first. And they scored three in the first inning anyway. They just they didn't have the first at bat. Right. And, and so to that point, the Yankees. Are, are following the blueprint perfectly. And, you know, let's be honest, they kind of sort of won four games in that series, if not for, you know, Joe Girardi's mistake and, sure. and the bullpen ended up blowing it, which is not going to happen all too often. But the Yankees are following the blueprint perfectly. Score early, score first, get just enough out of your starters, turn it over to that that dynamite bullpen, let them do their job, and and Aroldis Chapman has become Aroldis Chapman at exactly the right time of this season. And I'm not sure they can rely on him for five and six outs on a regular basis uh, in this postseason, but they needed him to to survive those elimination games with the Indians. And now you have new life. You have a seven game set uh, coming up with the Astros, a chance to to recharge the batteries a little bit with a day off today, and then you get back at it tomorrow. And and really new life for this team, and I think that the way that they won this series, Seth, I mean, they're a dangerous team anyway, given how how well they can hit and given that bullpen, but given the way in which they won, doesn't it kind of feel like they're playing with house money to some degree? Oh, and I, that makes them even more dangerous going into this series with the Astros, in my opinion. Look, they were, they were playing with house money beforehand. Understood. Uh, they, you know, they, they definitely were, but yeah, you're right. They, they are that team that's got nothing to lose, right? They, what's the worst thing that happens? They lose? Like they weren't supposed to be here, <laughs> you know. So what's the worst thing that happens? You well, might as well I, go out and I will win, say right? This. I will say this, and you're right in a way that again, at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the season, we didn't expect them to to even be in the playoffs. So we said, you know, they might be a wild card, but we don't expect much more than that. And but I, even I, even a week ago, nobody expected them to beat the Indians. No, so what's the worst right. thing that happens? Like they they lose in the ALCS. What I was going to say was the way that they lost Game Two. Then, then there was a lot to lose, at least for Joe Girardi. Like it, you could just hear it. Every post game interview he did since then, it, it was always referring back to that game too. And I feel awful, and I feel awful for the guys. I don't feel awful for me. I mean, he he was he was moved to tears after the game four victory, yep. talking about what happened last Friday and the fact that you know he was hoping he didn't cost his team the series. So I think in that regard, there was something to do, to lose last night. Was something to lose in this series, at least for Joe Girardi. But everybody would be saying, you know, what could have been, especially the fact that they won. Two in the Bronx, and you feel like, oh man, that should have been the clincher in Game Four. They they should have won this series three one, and they should be moving on. And now they got to win another game, and it's against Kluber on the road. And for them to rally around uh, their manager uh, the way that they did, it was um, it was an emotional locker room. It always is after after a win like that. But again, the the, the fact that player after player last night talking about they did it for Joe. Todd Frazier was one of the first to, to speak last night yep. uh, in, in the locker room and and that's what he said. He said, we did, we did this for Joe and they bailed him out and now they move on to the ALCS and again the way that that, that whole Game 2 fiasco has brought this team even closer together I think it makes them even more dangerous in this series coming up. I agree. I think that this is 
you know, I, I said before the Indians-Yankees series that I thought the winner of that series would go to play uh, for the World Series. I, I really did think that. Um, the Astros looked a lot better in the ALDS than I expected them to look, and I, I might want to revise that that thought now. But uh, look, the, the Yankees, in my mind, played the Astros pretty well this season. I thought they did. Um, there's no reason in my mind why they can't go win this series. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to. I Quite frankly, I don't think they will. Uh, but there's no reason why they can't, and they certainly played them well enough over the course of this season uh, in, in their two series to actually go and win the thing. Um, and I would also say that um, the Yankees won this series essentially without Aaron Judge and really, for the most part, without getting much from Gary Sanchez. And if you told me that they would win that this series with getting one hit from Judge, with getting minimal production from Sanchez, with with getting z- literally an offer from your DH, I would have laughed. I would have thought you were nuts. So just imagine, right? Like just imagine for a moment if Aaron Judge does anything against the Astros, if Gary Sanchez does anything more than what he did, which was a minimal output in this series against Cleveland. Like, the offense is already going well. And if they were to actually do something and, and perform up to their uh, their talent and their season, the, the, the offense is potent and dangerous and terrifying. Yeah, and can get it to the bullpen with the lead. I think that's the one area... While it was probably an even matchup with the Indians because the Indians' bullpen is is just as good as the Yankees, the Yankees have the edge in that regard going into yeah. this series against the Astros. I agree. Uh, the Astros, they have their starting pitching set. They're going to go with Keuchel in Game 1. They've got Verlander in Game 2, and so their rotation is set. They feel good about their starters. I think both offenses are, are very potent. The, the one advantage the Yankees have is the bullpen. And so if that offense can continue to follow the script and score early and get an early lead, uh, you know, and get to the fifth or sixth inning with a one-run advantage, you turn it over to the bullpen, that's how you win this series. 315-437-7644. Again, longtime baseball writer Matt Michael set to join us here in about 15 minutes. We need to take our first time out back after this on Orange Nation. Station underway on ESPN Radio. We are powered by Drivers Village. 315-437-7644. Phone lines open for the next half hour. We'll bring on our good friend Chris Gedney at 1.30 as we switch gears and we talk Syracuse Clemson. And because of the early start 
Uh, Seth, uh, both teams had to release their injury report a day early. So last night, uh, we got a look at uh, both the Syracuse injury report and uh, Clemson's. Uh, for the Tigers, Davo Sweeney has removed all doubt. Kelly Bryant now listed as will play. Uh, so Kelly Bryant will be out there uh, to start at QB for the Tigers. And for Syracuse, uh, Kendall Coleman once again listed as doubtful. Josh Black once again listed as doubtful. Uh, Evan Foster, Jake Pickard, Shai Cullen all in the probable category. But uh, Pickard dressed last week, which I thought was interesting. He's uh, he's on the verge of, uh, of coming back. And Did you know that players were allowed to dress after being ruled out? I had no idea. Uh, I think as long as you don't go in, I think it's fine, right? I don't know. I, it must I had be. no idea. Yeah. It, it must be fine. Yeah. Um, but uh, but he's probable. Evan Foster probable, which is which is good news for that defensive backfield. The fact that, you know, Foster, it sounds like will be out there. Uh, but you don't have Black, you don't have Coleman, and you're going to be going up against uh, the Tigers starting quarterback who not only leads that team in passing, obviously, but much like Eric Dungy, uh, leads the team in rushing as well. Yeah, Kelly Bryant's really good. And you're not going to have Kendall Coleman. You're not going to have Josh Black. And uh, you're going to have to try and get pressure on him without blitzing so that he doesn't take off and run, right? And like that's that's kind of what it comes down to. You know, if you send an extra man and he sees a hole, he'll run. Uh, and, oh, by the way, he'll also throw and, and, and beat you through the air. Uh, Kelly Bryant's having a really, really good year filling uh, the shoes of Deshaun Watson uh, this season. And, and the defense is going to have their hands full. And, you know, seeing a uh, seeing an injury report that is – 90% defensive players uh, has to be worrisome for for SU and, and, and for this unit. And it's it's funny, Seth, because how much difference a, a year makes. Uh, you know, this Clemson offense obviously had its way with the Syracuse defense a year ago. Everyone seemed to have its way with the Syracuse defense a, a year ago. Uh, going into this game tomorrow, I, I feel better, I think, about the Syracuse defense than maybe I do the Syracuse offense in that this Clemson D is downright nasty and dominant and any team that can you know sack an Auburn quarterback 11 times in a yep. game in SEC school uh you worry I don't worry about Eric Dungy uh necessarily making plays or, or the receivers I worry about that offensive line going up against what is the best defense in the country bar none and that's including yeah. Alabama yeah no I I worry about this offensive line and, and you know again we worry about it week in and week out right it didn't look good against Pitt didn't look good any week of the year, really. Um, you worry about it every single week. And, and the fact that, again, a top defensive line uh, is going to be on the other side of the ball has to worry you. We saw it against LSU. We saw it against NC State. Now this week, Florida State's got a really good D-line. Louisville's got a really good D-line. Boston College has a really, really good defensive line. Uh, you know, that's six. That's half your schedule that has just dominant defensive linemen up front. Uh, and dominant defensive forces that you know it's worrisome but at the same time like we've seen it enough that you would you know hope that we could adjust right you would hope that your guys can adjust and and do better and and now the third time through facing a really good defensive line what are those changes that are made and let's think about it this way Ravy and Pierce had a really good game last week is he on the field more and if he's on the field more does he is how much is he able to help with blocking uh, because that's what you need out of your tight end, right? You need that guy who could stand on the end of the line and really help you out blocking before going to catch that pass for 
10 yards or whatever it is. And given the game he had last week, I would imagine he's on the field more this week. And the thing about that that Clemson defense is the front four is so good that they don't need to send a lot of extra guys to get pressure on the quarterback. The front four is able to do it uh, by themselves. And so, you know, I know we joke about the Seth Goldberg offense about don't run the ball. You can't go to the Seth Goldberg offense tomorrow. You have to at least try to run the ball because that front four is just going to pin their ears back and they're going to pressure the heck out of Eric Dungey and and he's going to have to to try to make plays. Again, if he's going to the air every time and they're not sending extra guys to get pressure on him, he's under pressure, he's got to throw into, you know, double coverage in situations, that that's a disaster waiting to happen. So, they need to at least try to run the ball if nothing else to keep that Clemson defense honest. To some degree, uh, so I, I know that it. No, it, they do. I know that you know you you like the Seth Goldberg offense, abandon the run, but I don't think they can do that tomorrow night. No, they can't. No, absolutely not. And again, I'm not anti run game. I'm anti this, this run, run game. game. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I I like running the football. I don't like this team running the football. Uh, but you have to run the football tomorrow night. Uh, Dante Strickland's got to get 20 carries again. You know, you've got to find some kind of success. You know, whether that's 30 carries for 80 yards and you're averaging two yards a carry, two and a half yards a carry, it doesn't matter. You need to just run the ball so that, you know, maybe they have to bring another linebacker up and, and you know, maybe they have to bring a safety up every once in a while. Uh, you, you've got to do something, right? You've got to do something to make... Clemson think and to make Brett Venables think a little bit. You know, I, I don't think that you're going to win this game by just lining up and having Eric Dungy, Finder, Phillips, and Steve Ishmael, and Devin Butler, and Ravian Pierce, and Jamal Custis, who's not on the injury report. Uh, I, I don't think you're just going to win that way, right? You're not going to win by just going five wide and throwing the ball all over the place because uh, Clemson will play. Uh, what did Julian call it? We're better than the, you defense? The, the we're better than you defense, yeah. yes. Clemson will play we're better than you defense and shut you down if you try doing that. Uh you know, we talk about the fact that Kelly Bryant will play uh, for Clemson, so that was, you know, check that off the list of, of possible reasons Syracuse might be able to pull off the upset if, you know, the Tigers come to town shorthand and they don't have their starting quarterback. I think you could also check off the list, you know, the the getting caught looking ahead because they, they have a bye week, and Dabo Sweeney has been, you know, publicly saying all week long that this is an, an empty-the-tank game. This is, you know, we've been going for, for seven straight weeks. We've been going since August 1st. You know, the guys are tired, but, you know, we, we want to keep the momentum going, empty the tank in this game, and then you you get, you know, the reward is that that week off. So it's not like they're looking ahead to, you know, a Florida State next week. They're looking right. ahead to some time off. So, you know, they are they're going to focus on this game again, according to Dabo Sweeney, saying empty the tank. And, and so I think you can cross off the, you know, get caught looking ahead. Uh, let's hear from the Clemson head coach and his impressions on this 2017 Syracuse team. You know, their quarterback, this Dungy kid, is a very good player. He's big. Uh, he's a 220-pound-plus guy, 6'3", very accurate, very confident in what they do. Uh, they play very fast. Those of you who've watched them at all, you understand their system. They're going to – if you give them any grass at all, they're going to take it. Uh, I mean, they, they get the ball out quick, really hard to get to him. They don't hold the ball a whole lot. Even when, And then if you, if you get up in their face and, and press them – you know, it's catch, cock, and throw. I mean, the ball's going downfield in a hurry. So there's a lot of 50-50 balls, a lot of competitive plays, and uh, and then boom, their speed sweep is the is the ball on the perimeter as fast as you can get it. And then oh, by the way, they got a 200 and 
like 90 pound running back this year. Uh, it's crazy uh, that they actually will hand the ball to some. So uh, <laughs> they got they do some they do some neat stuff. They've got every screen known to mankind uh, that you can think of. They got it, and uh, so uh, they. Uh, they're a challenge. They're a challenge. So we got to we got to really be locked in on what we're doing. Their tempo, you know, getting the calls in, getting our alignments, getting our eyes on the right things, uh, playing with great technique, uh, and and uh, not getting distracted by some of the presentation uh, that they will that they will give us. That's what uh, Julian calls eye candy. The the presentation, and I, I like that line about every screen known to man. Yeah, uh, they're going to have to get creative tomorrow. Let's be honest. You know the the Tigers have the ability to play the word better Devin than your Butler defense passes. potentially, but and why not? Like why not break it out on national TV oh, against I, the, I the defending national champ? Get creative, do some fun things, and if it doesn't work. Listen, you're expected to lose this game and lose it big anyway. So, so see what you got. Maybe you can get the crowd behind you. If you're going to do something like that, like a trick play, I think do it early, right? Try to like try the to, Virginia Tech game. Have Dante Strickland throw a pass early. Yeah, try to get the crowd into it. Get the place rocking. Get a lead. Make the Tigers think about it a little bit. Try to gain some confidence on your sideline and some momentum and some excitement and. Why not? You know, and, and we saw them do that against LSU. They they went to the the bag of tricks, as they say, and they, um, you know, and it 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 worked to some degree, and they were able to hang in the game. And you know that that's all you can ask for. I think if you're a Syracuse fan, you want to see them hang in the game, give themselves a chance in the second half. Absolutely, you you want them to go into the half in the game, right? Like that. That's all you're hoping for. That's all you could possibly hope for. Is that there's not a max mass exodus at the dome at halftime because you're down by four touchdowns? Like, you know, keep it close, play an intriguing first half, have a good showing for yourself on on national TV, and you know, see what happens. Let's get one more in from Dabo Sweeney. We know he's a, a big fan of Eric Dungy. He's also a big fan of the two receivers, Steve Ishmael and Irv Phillips. I will say this too: they they got the two best receivers we've probably played. Um, they, they them them two we. Them two cats right there, number three and number eight, uh, they had a real deal. Uh, in fact, when I watched the tape, when I got done watching the tape, I, I was like, dang, I thought I thought Mike Williams was in, in San Diego. Uh, that number eight catches everything. I mean, guys hanging on him, going, you know, falling out of bounds. I mean, he, high, 50-50 balls, he catches just about everything. So this, he's going to be a real handful. And then they get number three, he's all over the place. Uh, you know, he's in the slot, he's motion guy, he's outside, he's screen guy, they're going to touch it. But those two guys combined, they lead the country right now in, uh, in receptions. High praise uh, from Dabo Sweeney comparing Steve Ishmael to Mike Williams. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we talked about this going into the season. Is, is Steve Ishmael a legit number one wide receiver? Can he play on Sundays? I think he's answered both of those questions uh, to this point. This will obviously be his biggest test. Uh, For sure. Similar to, to what happened down at LSU, but but he has shown that even against good teams and quality defenses and athletic corners, he can get open and he can make plays. Absolutely. Absolutely. He He's shown that he... You might put a good guy on the other side, but he can perform. I mean, he had a great game at LSU. He had a very good game last weekend against Pittsburgh. Um, no doubt that he that he can go perform. Um, I, I'm distracted by Dabo's lack of knowledge of names. 
number three and number eight. Yeah. You know, uh, I like when Coach coaches P used, do that. Coach P used to do that all the time. And that I, number I'll, three. I'll never forget when he referred to Michael Vick as number seven. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know who that yeah. is. <laughs> you can say his name. It's okay. Between that and and when Dabo was saying like his impressions of SU, like oh they go fast, they throw screen. Oh, the only thing I can ever think of when I hear those statements is Les Miles a couple years ago, and he was just like the orange. They have a law school. Like, they play in the carrier dome. Like, and he was just, like, reading, like, a fact sheet. Like, he had no idea what anything about Syracuse. And he was just like, good law school up there next to the dome? Like, Now, to Dabo's credit, he did say number three and number eight, but he did refer to them by name uh, later on. So he at least, he he mispronounced Ishmael, but at least he gave it a stab. So uh, so So I'm going to give him a pass on that. That's what's going through my mind listening to Dabo Sweeney Bites. Like, yeah, he's he's saying some good stuff, but I I think of Les Miles not knowing what he's talking about instead. That uh, number seven, he's pretty good. Okay. (laughs) I know that was a horrible Coach P impression, but I had to go there. Uh, let's take a timeout. Let's uh, we'll get to today's business on the other side. Keep it here.